In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Last time we've been talking about the life of Samuel the prophet. And we said Samuel, when he was a child, he was born and he lived in the temple. And at that time, people in the temple were very corrupt. Yet, Samuel lived a life according to God. And that's one of the things that hopefully inspires all of us. If I am in school, if I am with my friends, if I'm in any situation where I feel that I'm under a lot of pressure, I always see the people that God has chosen have lived a holy life in the midst of evil time. And we spoke also that probably Hannah had the greatest influence on Samuel the prophet. And probably going to visit him as a mother, she taught him a lot and she used to bring him a garment once a year. And this is also shows the way she raised him. She was not trying to make him spoiled, bringing him so much clothes and fancy things. She brought him exactly what he needed. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's probably what made him a responsible person. Compare this with Eli the priest who spoiled his kids and we will see what will happen to them. Now we will go to chapter 2 verse 20. And it says, this is the same thing. So Samuel now is in the temple and his parents still come every year to worship. So one of the years when they came to worship and Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendant from, from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. So Eli basically told her, look, God will bless you and give you children instead of the one you have lent to the Lord, which is Samuel. Then they would go to their own home and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the, ch the child Samuel grew before the Lord. You might look at this verse and say, Eli is not very close to God and he deviated and he let his children be spoiled. How come God is listening to his prayer? Eli blessed Hannah and Hannah did indeed have children. And this kind of puts two ideas in our mind. Number one, even if the priest is not living according to the will of God, he's still an ambassador for the sacraments and ambassadors for the work of God. So that does not take away the effect or the impact of the sacraments itself. Because when God allowed the priest to perform the sacraments and the prayers on behalf of people, it was not for the priest himself only, but it's for the whole congregation. So that should help us when we treat people, we try to keep our judgmental eyes kind of to a minimum because God can be still using people who you might think they're not good enough or they're not holy. And also the other thing that we have to keep in mind also is the idea of Hannah's faith and Hannah's prayer and Hannah's heart. So God used Eli to comfort her, tell her, look, yes, you left your son with Eli and all these rumors about him and his children, but yet he's still got something in him that I'm going to use to help Samuel to grow old with and to learn with. 
So it's a comforting message to Hannah, and it's also a beautiful message for us to understand that God works through the people that you might even think they are, are unworthy or far away from Him. Now it looks like a period of time passed by between verse, verse 21 and verse 22. Now Eli was very old. So now Eli getting older, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the woman who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. So Eli, he is the high priest. He heard that his own children are sleeping with the woman who come to either offer sacrifice in the temple or either serve in the temple. That's a big problem. That's a big sin, big violation. Where are they committing this, this, this sin? They're committing the sin at the door of the, meet, of the tabernacle of meeting, at the church. And by the way, this is sometime we notice how easy it is for people to slip. When you start neglecting your prayer, your Bible reading, you start coming to church to check out, you know, girls or girls check out boys, and then you come and start losing respect for the church and you joke out loud, and you start going down a road to the point that you find yourself in the most holy places, people are committing the most evil sins. The most holy places, people are committing the, the most evil sins. That's why even in the church, we even want to be careful from the small things. Simply even something as people using their phone in the church. Or people calling each other, shouting with a loud voice in the church. If we do not maintain the spirit of reverence to the house of God, we can easily slip down the wrong path. By the way, in the Old Testament in Exodus 27, chapter 27, verse 21, you're like Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening till the morning. So God said outside that temple, outside that curtain that the sons of Eli were committing adultery, he said, I want you to leave a lamp burning to represent the word of God, the light of God. And Eli heard all this and have done nothing. Now, I think maybe when Eli heard that they're committing adultery, he said, let me talk to them. Look what he did in verse 25. He says, 23. So he said to them, why do you do, why do, you do such a things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. I hear this all the time. No, my sons, for it is not good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. People don't want to come to the temple. They don't want to worship. Because when the girls come, you, lay, you, you have sex with them. And when they bring money or meat, you eat it. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed to the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Look at this. Look at this verse carefully. Eli neglected his 
his, his responsibility as a parent and as a judge. The response and the conversation he had with his children does not meet the crime they are committing. They are committing adultery, they are stealing, there are people, are, people don't want to come to church and all what he's telling them, no, 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 don't do this, this is wrong. Really? That's all what you're going to do? You're not going to tell them don't serve in the altar for a period of time? You're not going to make them return the stuff they've stolen? You're not going to make a declaration to the people that what my children have done is wrong and they have to repent? Nothing. Nothing. And that's why it's important if I am a servant or I'm a clergy or whatever it is and my own physical child, my own biological child, anywhere, I should never treat him different than anybody else. There was a tradition in the church, you see this with the elder bishops. When these elder bishops attend the church and they meet their parents, or a parent of a bishop attends the church with him, they never say dad or mom in front of people. They never call them dad or mom in front of people. They say Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so. Because in the church, he's a father of everyone. He treats everybody equally. Eli, he understood what they're doing is wrong. And he understood what they're doing could be an unforgiven sin. But he did not want to take his responsibility as a priest, as a judge. That's why being passive is not good. When I have a responsibility and I shy away from it, I am committing a sin of negligence. And Eli committed the sin of negligence. Even though he said a very wise saying, he says, if you sin against God, who will save you? This is, by the way, the, the foundation for our salvation. We've sinned against God and only our Lord Jesus Christ can save us. Also, the verse said, the Lord desired to kill them. What, 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 is, what is that verse saying? It's saying that God have sent them many warnings. They're not listening. They are disrespecting the most holy place. How would they return to God? I think it's almost like a, somebody makes fun of confession and belittles confession. But how are you going to repent? Somebody makes fun of the Eucharist. How are you going to unite with God? So that God no longer is working with them. But yet, God is giving a last ch chance to Eli. Do something. Move. Tell them to repent. Take responsibility. Take charge. One of our biggest fears nowadays we do not want to make people upset. I'm not saying be aggressive in, in saying the truth. It's don't shy away from your responsibility as a servant, as a mother, as a father, as a friend. 
We cannot shy away from our responsibilities. You will see always the Bible is making a comparison between Samuel and Eli, the family of Samuel, the family of Eli. And the child Samuel grew in stature, in favor, both with the Lord and men. He continues to remind us, look at all this evil, but Samuel is still growing in the midst of evil. Look at this, all, all bad examples around him. The same location, the adultery is being committed, the holy things are being disrespected, another person is getting and growing. And this is the same thing, you can have two people in church listen to the same sermon. One would actually work and follow what he heard and the other person does nothing. Does nothing. And you see, the same verse, by the way, that was referred about Samuel is the same verse that was referenced to the Lord Jesus Christ. It said, Samuel grew in stature, in favor with both men, Lord, the Lord and men. This is the same description that the, the Bible used. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men in Luke 2.52. Why is this verse important? Because... During this time, God is preparing Samuel to lead the people. How is he going to be a good leader? He must establish relationship. He must establish bond with people. If you go and start giving orders and giving instructions without building a foundation of love, people, people are not going to listen to you. For God is preparing him. He says, look, look. I'm going to make you look so beautiful to everybody. Everybody says, wow, the temple, yes, there's all these issues, but there's one servant that's particular in the servant in the, in the temple that I love to go and see. It's like when you go to a monastery and there's one very holy monk that you want to go see. That's what he's saying. God is preparing him to become a leader. God is preparing him to become a leader. And Samuel also reminds us that God always preserves a remnant of faithful servants. Even in the most difficult places, you always find few good servants who are following the name of the Lord. So now we're going to go back to Eli. You see there's always back and forth. Samuel and Eli. The Bible is trying to make a very important comparison here. I, don't want, I hope you don't miss it. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, this is another warning. So Eli heard from all people, it means people constantly coming and telling him, Eli, your children are giving us a hard time. We can't come to pray. We can't come to church. You're causing so much issues. Then the man of God came to Eli. It's not named who is this man of God. Said to him, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your fathers when you were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? When he's talking about the house of your fathers, here he's talking about Aaron the priest. Because Aaron, from him came the heritage of priesthood. So I told him, he told him, I clearly revealed myself to your fathers in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house. Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest? Did I not choose Aaron to be my priest? And to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me. This is the garment, the white garment that he wears. So you tell him, did I not call Aaron? Did I not tell him to burn the incense? Did I, was not, 
Was this not the service a call from me? You know why this is message important? Because if I realize the service or the responsibility that I have is a call from God, I will treat it differently. It is not a call from my Sunday school, from the, my, the Sunday school trustee. It is not a call from Abuna. It is a call from God. Told him, did I not call call you call Aaron? Did I not give the house of your fathers all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice? Kick here means you step on my sacrifice. Why do you belittle the call I gave you? Why do you belittle your role as a servant? Why do you belittle your role as a mother or as a sister? Why do you look at it as if it's nothing? Why do you step on it? And my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me. Elias' problem was that he honored his own children more than God. To make yourself fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Second warning to Eli. God is telling him, you loved your children more than me. You honored your children more than me. When my child comes to church and I let him wear whatever he wants to wear, stay on the phone, whatever he wants to do. Teach, I don't teach him how to fast. Don't teach him how to pray. I don't teach him self-control. One of the things that's so wrong when the parents be like, I just want my child to be entertained all the time. Now you are honoring your children more than God. You're honoring your children more than God. That's not healthy. I told him, you cannot love your children more than me. Many parents, uh, they don't encourage their children even with simple moral things in life. Wedding rehearsals and weddings and, and People just want the children to be happy. Do what you want. But what about what makes, what honors God? Some parent will rush, bring their children to take communion, last 10 minutes in the liturgy. Oh, I'm sorry, because he needed to sleep more, one more hour so he can study. You're honoring your son more than you're honoring God. Also, the fact that this prophet is unnamed, it shows that there are also a lot of hidden holy people in the scripture. And they are around, and we don't know them. And to the wisdom of God, he reveals some, he reveals some, and keeps some hidden. He reveals some, and keeps a, some hidden. And here, basically, the biggest sin that Eli did, that he preferred his children over God. That's his biggest problem. He ignored God's rights and took care of his children. And this was his biggest sin, negligence and not honoring God. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, the prophet continues, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. Be careful about this. He's telling him, initially God made a covenant with you. 
He said that the house of Aaron the priests and their descendants will be will walk in front of me forever. Okay? But now the Lord says, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. God told him the agreement is no more. The agreement is no more. I will not make your family the priest in the church. Why? God said, I will honor those who honor me. I was reading to one of the saints, she said something beautiful. She said, the more you pray, the more God looks at you. And he says, those who despise me, those who, when you disrespect the church and the sacrifice and the sacraments, you're despising God himself. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut from your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. Why is this important? Having an old man with the sign of the tribal power and strength. In the old days, when you have older men in the tribe, it means they are the leaders of the tribe and they represent like an authority figure. So he told him, in your house, there will be no more unhonorable people in your house. All the old people I will cut out. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. He told him, I will make you see that my, we'll see it in the next chapter, part of my holies will be in the hands of the enemy. And there should not be an old man in your house forever. So the consequence of our sin does not only affect us, but affects the people around us. But any of your men whom I do not cut from the altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. He told him, anybody that I will I let live longer, they will actually will sadden your heart. They will live a... They will, they will live a really bad life. Okay? And I will not let anybody live longer. Now, this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, on Hephni and Phinehas. On one day they shall die, both of them. So here he's giving him a physical sign to prove that this is the prophecy. He's telling him, remember, keep this in mind, that one day your two children will die on the same day. Then I will rise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. That priest is Samuel. And Samuel is a Nazarite. He's not from the tribe of Levi. He's a Nazarite. Okay? So now we're the priesthood is drifting to another person. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. The relationship that God's gonna have with Samuel, it's gonna be eternal. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house 
will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread. Everybody in Eli's family, they're going to be very poor, that they're going to go back Samuel if he can give them some food. And say, please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may, may eat a piece of bread. Wow. If you look at this passage, you know what is Eli's response? Nothing. In the, in the book of Kings, there's a, there is a really evil king. His name is King Ahab. God told him he's going to die. And gave him very strict warnings. You know what he did? He went to repent and cry and please God, don't let me die. And then God came and said, look how Ahab humbled himself in front of me. God keeps giving warning to Eli, the priest. And all what he does, oh, it's okay. Oh, okay, whatever. Okay, if this is God, if this is what God wants, it's God's will. He's giving you a chance to repent. Where, where, is, where is your response? Why is God sending you this warning? Why is God, God is telling you, I'm going to break the covenant with you. And that's why there was the rise of the priesthood of Zadok in the place of Apithar because of the replacement of, of Aaron, of Samuel to Eli. Be careful because the impact of the sin in our life extends much farther than what, than what we think. If I have a holy person in my life, they can turn the circle around them upside down. And I've seen it many times in universities, at workplaces, in families. You always have that one person who actually makes a huge difference for the everybody around them. Be careful because our sin affects all the people around us. But it's also beautiful that God picked Samuel to be the priest who will fulfill the promises of God. Because Samuel is a type of Christ. He's coming not from the tribe of Levi. He's coming from outside the tribe of Levi. And he will be the priesthood that points to the priesthood of Christ in the New Testament. Because the whole point of the Old Testament is to prepare us for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is to prepare us for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now, this concludes chapter 2. We will start together chapter 3, which is when God finally comes and calls Samuel. All this, God has not yet called Samuel to become his own prophet. All this God is just saying how Samuel was being raised up in a very evil situation, in a very difficult place. And how God have still used very difficult circumstances to produce a very holy person to be light to everybody. Now we're going to start from uh, chapter 3 and I want you to notice something. At the beginning of the call of Samuel, there's a beautiful word that says, going to say, that the words of God were rare in that time, but then at the end of, at the, end of the call, 
you will see that God started supplying the words of God through Samuel the prophet. So let's start it together. It says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. He's constantly making the comparison between boy Samuel and the boys who are servants of Eli and his children. There's that one faithful boy. And how does he describe him with his relationship with God? Constantly saying, ministering to the Lord, ministering to the Lord, serving the Lord, serving the Lord, praying liturgy, praying their Agbeya, following the commandments, cleaning the church, ministering to the Lord, constantly ministering to the Lord. That's his relationship with God. He says, God, I'm your servant, I'm serving. Whenever you see Samuel aspiring to be a prophet, aspiring to be somebody special, he says, I'm a servant of God. And the Bible says revelation was rare. Why revelation was rare? Because the priests were corrupt. Who's going to teach the Bible? Who's going to teach the Word of God? To teach the Word of God requires some sort of a spiritual maturity. People who live in sin, they're not going to feel the desire to teach the Word of God. It actually chokes them. For the Word of God was rare. Imagine people are hungry to hear God's word. They can't find it. I'll tell you guys yani, something. Yani, my, my father's confession in Egypt was telling me that when he was growing up in Egypt, before all the, the in, intermedia, social media, and all this stuff, he said they barely had cassettes at that time. They were just coming out. He told me not all the priests at that time used to preach. It was only a few priests that would preach. So he told me every Saturday we would try to, to track those couple of priests who preach so we can go and get our spiritual food. Now we live in abundance. If you want a sermon anytime, it's at the tip of your hands. If you want to commit a sin anytime, it's also at the tip of their hands. That comparison between evil and good, Eli's family and Hannah's family, are even true until today. Even true until today. And be careful. Last, last chapter said there was a prophet who went to speak to Eli. But sometimes the job of the prophet is not to teach. Sometimes the job of the prophet is to only share the specific revelation that God has given him. And that's why there's, there is different offices, the office of priest, office of prophets, and office of a king. We'll see it next soon. It came to pass that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. You will see Samuel and Eli are sleeping in the next to the table, next to the tent of covenant. There's an area there for priests to sleep in. They're serving the altar. But see, the Bible says his eyes started to grow dim. 
And not only the physical eye, but the spiritual eye. In reality, if I am grown with God, every year my spiritual eye should see more, should grow more, should be willing to, this, to sacrifice more and to understand more. Even when my health gets weaker, my, my relationship with God is getting stronger. That's why in the, in the litany of the gospel say, blessed are your eyes, for they see. They see what? Spiritual things. We're not talking about earthly things. So Eli's eyes started to dim. As he's getting older, instead of growing with God, he remained steady at his past experience and never grew after that. And never grew after that. And before the Lamb of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, there was a Lamb of God they keep on all night. They didn't have electricity, they didn't have anything, so there's a Lamb that they keep on all night, always to remind them of the presence of God. So even when Eli's eyes are being dimmed, and the word of God are rare, there is still light. God still speaks. Don't be discouraged when you see evil increasing in the world. Because the Lamb of God is still there. The Lamb of God is still there. There's one thing also I want to tell you, because we're going to see God calling Samuel. When God called Samuel, what was Samuel doing? Sleeping. When the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples, what were they doing? They were sitting. Because we do not want human efforts to take credit for the revelation of God's. No matter how holy you are, a revelation comes to you and you remain unworthy. So if you're praying hard and all of a sudden you get a revelation, you might connect your prayer to that. God comes at an expected time and says, look, you live with me. Even at the time when you think you're not practicing, you are precious to me. I'm going to talk to you. And you see, in this, in this beautiful example, you have two people who are sleeping in the holiest place on the universe in that time. One is attached to the temple, Samuel, and the other cannot even repent. Cannot even repent. And the Lord so that the Lord called Samuel and, and, and he answered, here I am. So most likely there is a voice that came out of the ark and God called Samuel. Samuel is not expecting a vision. He thought it's a lie calling. And you will see one of the characteristics of Samuel is that 
he did not, he's not a lazy person. He's actually very obedient. At night, Eli is calling him, Samuel, Samuel. He thought it was Eli. He ran. Now this is the quality of a person that God will choose to be his prophet. We hear the voice of God speaking multiple times. We don't run. This is a little kid, teenager. He heard the voice at night, got up. Imagine if your parents call you at night to get them water or something. What would you do? If you answer them and say, no, that's a great, that's a great blessing, right? This guy ran. So he ran, to, he ran. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. You see, Samuel, very quick response. Does not delay responding. Then the Lord yet again, called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and he said, Here I am, you called me. He answered, I did not call you my son. Lie down again. You see, Samuel could say, You know what? It's probably just I'm imagination. You know, I'm imagining it's, it's, not, it's nothing. It's no big deal. But he preferred obedience over any doubt that he might have. He preferred obedience over any doubt that he might have. Is it Eli or not Eli? Doesn't matter. I'm going to go. What's the worst? At least I have obeyed. The voice I heard. Look at verse 7. It says what? Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Let's get a stop at this verse because this verse is important. What is this verse saying? The, the Bible says Samuel has been ministering to the Lord, ministering to the Lord, but yet it says he did not yet know the Lord. What does that mean? It said that Samuel so far has been in a stage that all of us are in. He's simply receiving instructions from Eli, receiving instruction from his mother, and he's following, he's obedient. He has not yet heard the voice of God personally and intimately yet. And that's the first stage of our relationship with God, is that I hear the, the messages I hear from God, whether through the scripture, through the, through, through the sermons, through the way that God talks, talks to me, and I obey it faithfully. And, this, and only then, when I obey the clear voice of God, then God speaks to me intimately. And you will see this, by the way, in the life of many children as they're growing up. Usually get a high school, college period, you see there is a switch that turns on in people's life. When they're young, you know, every, parents are pushing them, oh, please memorize a psalm, oh, please come to liturgy, oh, please come this. At some point, they start doing things on their own. There's a switch that turns. And this is, by the way, an important responsibility of those who serve. That we want our children to mature to that level. To hear the voice of God. We do not want them to be all the time 
dependence. Samuel at this moment is starting a new relationship with God. An intimate one. An intimate one. Where he will hear the voice of God personally. Why? Obedient. Any child in his situation would have slept. Maybe answer the first time. Maybe not the second time. I think if we would have let this go on for a long time, I think Samuel would have kept going back to Eli. He would not have stopped. And the Lord called the Samuel again. This is the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Wow. What? What level of simplicity and obedience is this? Eli is an old man. Samuel can say, this crazy dude, what, I don't know what he's doing. Extreme obedience. Extreme faithfulness. Nothing ruins our life with God as much as pride and self-pleasure all the time. And then the Bible says, Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Look at this verse. Eli, because he started good with God, and he had some experiences with God. He said something different. Actually, God is calling him. Imagine how did Eli the priest feel when he saw that God called Samuel, the child, to speak with him. And he as a high priest who's in the altar for many years, nothing. Why? Because when God sent his clear voice to Eli, he did nothing. He sent it through people, he sent it through prophets, he sent it through his own judgment, he did nothing. When you hear the voice of God, do not harden your hearts. God will speak and tell you, stop doing the things that gets you reinforcement from people too much. Stop doing the things that gives you too much pleasure and laziness. Stop saying yes to yourself all the time. You listen or no? You listen or no? You know, I tell you guys, most of us if not all of us struggle with our spiritual canons. Simply prayer in the morning, prayer at night, and a Bible reading. And people struggle. But this is the clear voice of God telling you. And then, if we do it for a week or two, we're expecting by a revelation from God. They only, they only did it for two weeks. 
three weeks. But the work of Samuel the prophet, he was said, I am a servant of God. I am obedient. I am faithful. I want nothing but to serve God. Maybe we'll take one more verse and then we'll continue next time. This is the fourth time where finally Eli realized what's going on. So therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak Lord for your servants hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. I don't know if, if, if you were in Samuel's shoes, you would have so much peace. You know, if he's telling you, go to your bed and God is going to come talk to you in a few minutes. No fear, no question, nothing. Yes, sir, I will go to my room and I will wait for God to speak to me. This is the, the humble and obedient heart. No fear inside. No fear inside. Why no fear? Because I desire nothing and I want nothing. Samuel, at a very young age, he started listening to the voice of God. That's why in John 10, God says, My sheep know my voice. And I want us to live with this idea. Do I know the voice of God or no? Is the voice of God clear in my life? Or I just ignore it? Or I become negligent like Eli? Or I know it and I just, because I know God keeps trying with me over and over again, I started giving up over and over again. Stop trying hard. When God calls me, do I know his voice? Do I run and say, here I am? Do I practice that life of obedience and faithfulness? If I would describe my life with God, would it be that I am constantly ministering to the Lord, serving God? Or am I serving myself, serving people, serving interests? And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.